Welcome to Package, the official podcast of the Liquor Stores Association of Western Australia. Your host today, Peter Capsanis. Hello, welcome to Package, Australia's best podcast on all things packaged liquor, if we do say so ourselves. It's great to have your company. It's been a while since we last brought you a package podcast, but certainly not through a lack of trying. It's been a busy period since the turn of the new year. We've been consumed with the proof of vaccination requirements, generating new and exciting corporate sponsorships and planning on our big 70th year as an industry association. More about that as the weeks and months roll on. But first, we've lined up a special guest today to kick season 2022 off. And joining us today is the new Minister for Racing, Gaming and Liquor, the Honourable Dr. Tony Booty. And he joins us on the line out. Tony... Uh, good morning to you, and thanks for uh, joining us on the show. Uh, my pleasure, and good morning to you, Peter. Now, look, uh, from Sport Minister to Minister for Liquor, it's uh, certainly not a, a bad trade-off. You, uh, you'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, as you know, Peter, I, I really love my sport, and, uh, of course, uh, liquor often is, um, is mixed with uh, enjoying sports. So in some respects, it was really just a carry-on of that portfolio a bit in a bit of a different direction uh but probably uh, uh, an area that requires much more regulation than maybe the sporting world indeed and we'll we'll, we'll get onto that uh soon enough but uh other than the liquor aspects of your portfolio you're also minister for finance which you've retained since the uh the cabinet reshuffle uh in uh in december uh, Minister for Aboriginal Affairs and Multicultural Interests which I think you retain also it's a busy portfolio have you got any spare time? <laughs> uh, look, uh, Peter, um, I'm very organised, don't necessarily sleep a lot of hours. And um, look, I think in politics, it's a vocation. So you just you just go with it. I'm loving it. Loving it. Oh, good. Well, good to hear. So look, let's let's kick off on all things uh, liquor. Uh, yeah. You've just returned from Calgary Boulder launching uh, the, the hard launch, so to speak, of the EDR, yeah. the Banned Drinkers Register for Calgary Boulder. We know it was launched... Uh, in uh, in December by your predecessor Reese Whitby, uh, who you've taken over from in um, for the Northern Goldfields, but now it's come into full effect across the Goldfields. So, in your own words, for those who don't know what the BDR, the Band Drinkers Register, is, uh, what is it, and what are its benefits? Okay, well, the the, the BDR is all about banning problem drinkers. That's the issue. So it's targeting uh, a subset of drinkers, usually a, a small proportion. So the idea is not to uh, go after most people who may enjoy a drink uh, and can do it in moderation without harming themselves, their family or their communities. So really, when you have a, a BDR in any particular area, in order to obtain takeaway, so purchase takeaway alcohol, you have to show an ID uh, you put uh, your ID, an authorised ID for a scanner, and uh, it will tell you, yes, you're okay to purchase takeaway or, or you're not. Uh, so you can be put onto the, uh, to the registry either by self-referral or by uh, prohibition or banning notice. And uh, so basically that's really, really it, Peter. It's a, it's a registry of what are considered to be problem drinkers and um, they are the ones that we're seeking to target. Now, it's only part of the, um, the instrument that we're using. That's to prevent them, obviously, purchasing takeaway alcohol. But, uh, you know, we're also looking at how we can help support services, 
for these people to overcome their their issues because we don't you know hopefully some of them can overcome their issues and they can enjoy uh consuming alcohol like most of the population does now look the goldfields have been screaming out for something like this for quite some time if uh, if they had their choice if they had their way that they would have liked to have been first uh, cab off the rank yes. so what was the sentiment like uh, in the goldfield speaking to the licensees and other stakeholders on the ground I was very positive. So as you mentioned, I was up in Kalgoorlie yesterday. We had meetings with police, local government and licensees and also support services. Um, overall, really positive. Uh, they like the, the point now that, you know, we have this technology in place, which is very easy to use, and um, they can target those that need to be um, need to be banned from taking takeaway alcohols. And what they like about it also is that, we aren't looking at a blanket ban on the population as a whole that, uh, you know, the majority of people, as I've said previously, don't have a problem with alcohol. But uh, there is a problem, obviously, for a, a small group of people that has flow on effect. So that is the, uh, the aim of the program. Right, a blanket ban is certainly uh, something that, uh, as an industry, we certainly don't want to see a return of. Uh, so yeah. you're quite committed to this then uh, by the sounds of it to see to ensure that uh, the BDR uh, is effective and uh, does have a, 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 a certain level of impact. Yeah, look, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's been uh, rolled out into the Pilbara and the Kimberley, uh, an independent evaluation of the Pilbara trial. And remember, these are all trials at the moment. So obviously we are looking at how we can improve it. I, I think it, it's no secret that we would probably want more people to be on that registry in the Pilbara and uh, and the Kimberley, obviously, Goldfields is really just, you know, commends. And so we're looking at ways that can possibly take place and uh, waiting also, you know, for the independent evaluation. But I already have some ideas on how we can try and improve the system. Okay. Well, would you like to uh, share Yeah, that? look, uh, you know, uh, no... no no commitments being made, but obviously we, we'd be looking at how can we streamline the process for the police force in, um, in ensuring that they can instigate their, their uh, placement of people on the registry. Maybe we can look at things like interim orders, like you have interim restraining orders. Uh, but of course, we need to speak to the police about that. Uh, maybe the court system can be used. Maybe uh, the, being put onto the ban register can be a, um, an option for a magistrate. So they're, they're, they're type of things that we're looking at. And obviously, one of the areas that we're constantly uh, told about and we know ourselves is the influence of alcohol on domestic violence scenarios. So maybe if there's a connection between alcohol and domestic violence, that might be uh, a catalyst for someone to be put onto the register. Okay. Well, it's it's good to hear, good to see uh, and hear a, a, a bit of passion from yourself about this going forward. So people may not be aware that you're no stranger uh, to the BDA, you've been actually involved uh, with it since its inception. So, um, where do you see the future of the program? Yeah. Can you see this being applied in other areas? For example, Carnarvon, Geraldton. There's been they've been screaming for something like this for a while now, and even in places like Albany. Do you see it being pushed out in broader areas? Oh, look. I mean, it's an interesting question. It's it's and yeah, I have been involved since the inception, which was uh, the uh, the former minister Paul Papalia uh, was then at the time the the minister concerned, and I I became involved in one of the working groups because of my legal background. Um, look, 
I think we need at this stage to look at how we can improve it in the three areas that we have designated, the Goldfields, the Pilbara and the Kimberley regions, um, not committing to any other area. But obviously, you know, in, in talks with the industry, as you're saying, Carnarvon, Geraldton seem to be, there's an appetite there. You know, that may be a consideration at some time. But uh, at this stage, my focus is on how do we improve the system in the three areas that we have to trial in. So you're, you're the third minister in about 15 yeah. months that's taken on this portfolio. Would you be aiming to see out the full impl- implementation of the trials, uh, you know, b- between now and the next state election? Oh, look, who knows, Peter? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very happy in the role as uh, the Minister for Racing and Gaming and, of course, Licker, even though it's not in the title. Yep. Um, you know, really, that's a, that's a call uh, of the Premier who has the portfolio um and at the moment i have it and while i have it i'll be doing my best to ensure that the system uh is improved as much as possible and uh, we'll see how how long that uh, i'm in that uh, role as the as the minister responsible but we definitely need to acknowledge that uh you know your office and yourself have made yourself available quite uh, several times uh since the turn of the new year since you've taken on the role so uh we do appreciate uh, having a uh, an ear to our concerns and uh, all the other issues that have been bubbling along since the turn of the year so we are Thankful for that. Sly grogging, uh, Tony, continues yeah. to be a major problem in some communities. I know the government has recently beefed up the carriage limits for the Kimberley. Uh, yeah. Will they be reviewed in the next six months, similar to what uh, is happening in relation to delivery regs where they're being uh, currently under review? I look, uh, Peter, I think in this area, there there's always going to be a review. There's constantly reviewing how we're going to improve the system. It's an imperfect system. We need to look at when we bring something in, what are maybe some of the unintended consequences? Is it actually achieving what we should be achieving? And if there are issues, uh, we need to to look at how we can improve that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, slide grog, there's, a, there's an issue, obviously, about, uh, at the, you know, trying to get a conviction because of the issue of you've got to show an intent to make a profit, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we'll be looking at that because it is an issue, a big issue in the Kimberley. Uh, so we need to look at that. Uh, one of the other areas, which you just talking about slide grog, getting back to the BDR, it's a whole issue of secondary supply. Yes. So how can we also look at that? Um, there's two things. Obviously, you can bring in legislation, which is in some respects the easy part, Obviously, there's an issue about enforcement. It may not always be possible to enforce the uh, secondary supply bans, but if you do have that legislation, it often is um, a catalyst for behavioural change. So, so, what uh, legis- I'm, so yeah. what I'm, sorry to interrupt. So what I'm hearing is that uh, separate to the BDR or uh, alongside the BDR, you'd be looking at uh, perhaps placing people on the BDR who might be supplying people... alcohol when they shouldn't be well i think uh, we do need to look at that peter because otherwise it defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do absolutely all right so your background as a lawyer you worked as a lawyer for the als the aboriginal legal service and i do note that uh, on twitter you popped into their offices just recently um so you were an als office uh, an als uh, lawyer in another life so i assume you'd be quite passionate about indigenous affairs very much so, uh, Peter. I worked uh, at the ALS in the mid-1990s and then went into an academic career as a lawyer where much of my research was in the Aboriginal legal policy area. So, uh, yeah, very passionate. Uh, 
it's a major challenge, obviously. There's a lot of different issues to uh, to be involved with in the Aboriginal Affairs portfolio, but uh, loving the challenge and, yeah, very passionate about it. So given your legal background, you've got control of the Indigenous Affairs portfolio or Aboriginal Affairs portfolio and racing, gaming and liquor. So that I'd, I'd imagine there'd be a, a bit of a crossover in those areas. So given your background, yeah, there is. given what you're yeah. doing... Yeah, so I guess you'd, you'd be, there'd be um, there'd be a bit of a drive for you to try and achieve better at, outcomes across those areas. Oh, exactly, Peter. I mean, the the the, the issue with the uh, the beauty in some respects also, but the challenge of the Aboriginal Affairs portfolio it actually crosses over many different ministerial portfolios. Obviously, it does in the the liquor area, which is maybe the more negative part of it. But, you know, there's also the education portfolio, my previous portfolio of sport, um, health portfolio. So there's no doubt that Aboriginal affairs, that portfolio touches on and intersects with many other ministerial portfolios. Yeah. So given your background, how important is uh, social justice when it comes to liquor regulation? Oh, well, I think social justice is probably important for for every area. Um, you know, the, the, one of the issues about social justice, what do you actually mean by social justice? Um, one at, at one level, it means ensuring that people are treated uh, properly, treat people are not discriminated against. Uh, you can help try and help the economic, social outcomes. And um, for some people, that may involve not being on alcohol, you know, not drinking alcohol. Mm. But for the majority of people, it would maybe be considered to be not a social justice measure if you ban them from drinking alcohol. So it's need it's needing to target what you are seeking to. Uh, you, you need to find the harm. What is the cause of the harm and target that harm and those people that are affected, rather than having a a, a broad brush stroke that uh, picks up everyone that maybe doesn't need to be picked up. Striking a balance, Tony. I think that is the is That's the right. key phrase. Striking a balance, uh, which is a nice segue to talk about your life before politics, uh, how you strike a balance now, uh, amazes me. Now, prior to politics, you'd written a fair few books uh, and you've even worked as a sports agent. Tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah look, um, you know, my, my first degree at university was in physical education, so I'm, I, am a, I was an, an, and remained a sports nut. Um, and then when I became a lawyer, I thought, well, you know, I wouldn't mind trying to marry my interest in sport with uh, being a lawyer. So I um, was able to, only on a part-time basis while I was an academic, um, dabble in the AFL player agency uh, industry. And, um, yeah, I represented a few players, uh, Aboriginal players, actually, and, um, yeah, enjoyed it. But it's a little bit difficult to really get involved uh, on a part-time basis. But, um, no, it was enjoyable. All right. And you've also worked on a new book, Alkira. I'm, I'm not sure if I've got the right pronunciation there, but you'll correct me, no doubt. It's the latest book you've written. It was launched at UWA last year by the Premier. Can you tell us what the book is about? So Alkira uh, is, a, is a name of my daughter and my 28-year-old daughter called Alkira Domenica Butti. And she's... Um, uh, such a beautiful person who was born with a, a syndrome called Cru de Char, which is a chrono, chromosomal abnormality that affects intellectual and physical development. Uh, there's a wide spectrum, though, of people on the uh, uh, with that uh, syndrome, and she's um, in many respects quite high functional, 
but there's been many, many challenges since she's been born. And um, the reason I thought, you know, it was a difficult book to write, obviously could have brought up, you know, many pains of the of the period of uh, Kira growing up, uh, but, and also the need to preserve her privacy. But it was a book that has just been eating away at me for a number of years that I thought, I, I just felt that I needed to write it. And um, I thought I needed to write it to use our Kira story as um, an instrument to talk about various issues in the um, disability um, public policy realm. Yeah, uh, a, a courageous move in in some respects to share a a deep personal story. Did you um? Does obviously did you did you speak to her about it before you published it? Mm. Very much so. We had a number of conversations, many, many. Uh, so not a number, many. Uh, look, very. Re- she was very reluctant initially, which is yeah. very understandable. Mm. Uh, but we spoke about it. she even. No, she even. Um, I remember her coming into the study when I was writing it one day, and she was looking at some of the things that I was writing and picked me up on some things that she thought weren't correct. <laughs> and then I talked about certain characteristics and asked her to go away and write some stuff. And, yeah, she went away and, and did it. So uh, she feels a bit of a celebrity now uh, <laughs> because uh, she's got a book name after her and there's a beautiful portrait written, yes. uh, painted by my wife that's on the uh, on the front of the book. So it's great. So this is, uh, you, said, you said she's 28. Uh, 28 now so you know almost 30 years ago this is a time when you were uh doing uh, i would assume uh going becoming trying to establish yourself as, as a lawyer and moving on yeah. from the physical education space so how did you manage how did you balance we spoke about striking a balance before yeah. only a moment ago so you've got a a child that's uh, intellectually or, or it's got some challenges uh yeah. you're trying to obviously carve out a career in another space um you've got a family how did you manage uh well i think i mentioned earlier <laughs> by uh being organized look i was i should actually preface all that by saying that i have uh, a partner mandy my wife and mother of our Kira, who's just been incredibly supportive yeah, this I would is not the point i was trying to, to get at to tony yeah, you know, in a, in a yeah, i would not have been you need to praise the other half here <laughs> yeah well I, i'm doing that and i should have done it earlier look without what mandy has actually sacrificed herself um, I would not have been able to do half the things that I've been able to do. It's just uh, she's been quite amazing. And, um, you know, she has been the one that should deserves nearly all the credit for bringing up uh, such a beautiful person in Alkira and our, other, our two boys. And it's through her sacrifices and her support that I've been able to do many of the things that I've been able to do. Excellent. All right. One, one last one before we do let you go. So what do you enjoy more, authoring books, being a politician, or attending local soccer matches like Flory Athena? <laughs> right oh, yeah, yeah, the great Flory Athena. Um, I, as you know, um, I came to your great anniversary, 75th anniversary, was it? 75th or 70th last 70th, year? 70th, 70th. Yeah, yeah, 70th, which you had a great um, uh, great uh, say in organising, so well done. Loved it. Uh, that, but they've got to be my second team. As you know, from my background, it has to be Perpetalia. Yeah, well, Armadale might, get a, Armadale might get offended as well, Tony. Well, Armadale, but actually, Kelmscott probably even more so because I used to play uh, at Kelmscott. So, Armadale Premier League, so they're my Premier League number one club as a, as a member for Armadale, has to be. Yep. Uh, but probably the the soul is uh, is actually rooting for Kelmscott, which are many divisions below, may I say. 
Yes, it, uh, times have certainly changed uh, since they were in the big time, but nevertheless, uh, right. still uh, still a, an important club. Well, Tony, we are running out of time, but we do thank you for joining us today and sharing some insight into your your role, uh, taking on the liquor portfolio only uh, a few months ago. Um, incidentally, you were announced as the new liquor minister the day after Reese Whitby launched the BDR for the yeah. Northern Goldfields in Kalgoorlie. So no one literally saw it coming. So that was it's interesting how yeah. uh, things move fast in politics. Uh, we know uh, we'll be... Uh, uh, dealing with your office and yourself uh, as a year for, um, uh, progresses and no doubt we'll see you at our uh, Liquor Industry Awards night later this year to celebrate another 70th milestone, this time for the LSAWA. So we do thank you and your staff for making yourself available today and we look forward to working with you on behalf of our members uh, during 2022 and hopefully beyond. Well, thank you, Peter. Can I also say uh, thank you to you and, and to the organisation because you've been really proactive in dialogue and uh, discussion with us and bringing the concerns and interests of your uh, members to us. So really appreciate the relationship. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you.